I don't ever look anything up because <laughs> why would I do that? That's really? just... You don't what, do that? Okay, when it has to do with like an electronic, uh-huh. like I just don't care. I don't... <laughs> I have zero fucks to give. And so when we turn on our little recording device, there was always this number at the top. Uh-huh. And I was just like, that's cool. It's Numbers. a number. Um, and you know what I, what I realized that I'm pretty sure it is? Huh. I'm pretty sure it tells us how much time left. Are you okay? Did you pinch yourself? <gasps> I don't know how, but I pinched myself and I couldn't figure out how to get my hand out. <laughs> Pinched yourself with headphones. This is going very well. Um, no, the the number at the top. I'm pretty sure it tells us how much time we have left to record on the SD card. <laughs> I'm like, this would have solved all my problems way earlier if I had realized that. But I'm like, I I could not be bothered to look into what that means. That's so. I totally did not imagine you to be that way. Like, I imagine you to be like. I'm gonna read it. Um, with some things I am, and with some things I'm not. With anything that has to do with any kind of technology, I just you good? Yeah, I'm just. Do you want to like if I, if I could stiffen it up, but I don't really know how to do that, and I don't really want to take the time to figure it out. <laughs> I'm just Michael Scotting in my head right now. <laughs> that's what she said. that is like my like the epitome of Tia is just accidental. That's what she says all the fucking time. It was really good. <laughs> That was a quality. That's what she said. (laughs) High quality. Um, No, Aaron is always the one who, whenever I have like a technology question or problem or things that I don't want to do, he will always solve it. And that's part of it. I think he just (laughs) enables me to not care. Yeah. Like, for instance, (laughs) I will never change a single clock in the house. I just won't. I won't do it. It's too many clocks to learn how to change, and they're all different. You've got a microwave. You've got an oven. We've got three cars. Like I'm not gonna do it. And granted, two of the cars, it's really easy. There's little buttons, and you just click the hour and minutes. Mm. The Honda, that oh, it's- fucking thing. I won't. I don't care, so I don't do it. But Aaron told me that he had to go into the user manual. I hate those cars that are like that. And he was like, and it was like a six button like thing. And you had to like touch two buttons at the same time. And like, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So if my clock is an hour behind, it's an hour behind. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. You had to like turn the car on by like tickling. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the story of me and technology. That's really funny. Yeah. I would have never picked... When you were like, I don't, like, look up any, like... I was like... I just... I don't care. And, like, there's... This is going to sound so dumb. Like, obviously, there's a million different types of cords for different things that you do. Uh-huh. Right? Different needs that you have for electronics. I don't know the difference between any of them. Like, me neither. To me, everything is HDMI. Like, that's just what it is. <laughs> and Aaron's like, there's USB-C and, like, this ultra port is lightning fast doohickey. <laughs> and he is so... I like, used to give him so much shit because he would... Ca- ca- carry no he would um have like this basket like full of basket exactly yeah and i would get so mad i'm like why do we have all these cords it's so dumb like throw like i'm like throw everything out fucking light it on fire i don't want to see it and he's like no we're gonna need these someday and literally like four times a year i'm like hey do we have this cord i don't even know what cord is i show him the port i'm like do we have something that goes in here he's like yes we do in my little basket that you hate cord basket every family has one and every family needs one and there's a manager of every cord basket yeah there's the person who knows what's in the cord basket and it's not me (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry we went we went 
that in a way different we just, direction. We just had things to talk about things before to say. we got started. Yep. Um. So welcome to the Tiny Shed Book Club, where we host a book club for people who don't want to actually go to a book club. And I'm Tia, and just oof. Just another, my other beginning is just oof. Yeah, I think I would second that. Um, I'm Chandler, and this set of chapters was overwhelming. Yeah. I don't have another word for it. it um, yeah. Like, story-wise, and also switching perspectives. Like, I had a hard time taking notes, and then it was just the content of what mm-hmm. was being talked about was... It was a lot. So, I, I'm i honestly a little... Not scared, but I'm a little nervous. Oh, yeah. I'm going to cry. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, good to know. I probably won't because I am a robot and I have no tears, but I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I guess we'll talk about this at the end. But yeah, so I will probably cry while talking about this. Um, And just like content warning, like there is a like everything. There is torture. There is uh, sexual assault. Yep. Um, Yeah. There's... A lot of stuff. So if those things are triggering, I would recommend not. maybe not listening to this yeah. or going towards the end to hear our final thoughts and ratings or just skipping this one yeah. and knowing that it's it's real hard. <laughs> yeah, this is a rough one. Um, so in that case, we are covering the last part of The Nightingale by Chris and Hannah, chapter 30, all the way to the end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Do you want to start us off? Yeah, and... You're going to have to help me narrow things down because I have so many notes and they're all over the place and I don't know what is happening. I feel like my notes are an explosion of chaos. So I'm not going to be any help to you at all because <laughs> okay. I was literally thinking while I was taking these, the fuck? And the- I also have seven pages of notes this time. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and so- I, I have so many question marks in here that I'm like, this is scary. I don't, I don't know what I've written. So we'll just, so come with us as we, um, I think just because it was like Chandler said, like, this was constant switching back and forth and then it was really emotionally intense Mm -hmm. and like sometimes i'd want to like just get past the part because i don't want to see it but then i'd be like okay well i don't fully understand like how we got to it so not then i'd have to back up yeah so i think that i think it's just we'll do our best and then if i skip something that was that is important feel free to rein it back because um I have this like lovely characteristic where if I don't want to talk about it, I just don't. I'll just like be like, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I might do that. Um, okay. I'll just make this noise. <laughs> when you need to, I don't know. I feel All like right. it's funny. To- you're going you're gonna, to be a turkey. <laughs> uh, okay. So this is starting off great. I'm doing really well. My first sentence is Isabella and Gatan are going dot, 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 somewhere, question mark. They are at Madame Babineau's. Okay. Before they get there, I'm like, they're, they're like, they're on, they're going places and then eventually they're going, yes, mm-hmm. to, I just wrote Madame B because I didn't. Because you don't speak French. That, yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel very self-conscious about trying to speak French. <laughs> um, so she, Isabel uh, gets a note from Henry that Vianne is fine, um, mm-hmm. but she does have another German builded with her and it's not really a good idea to um go back there right now yes um and madam b definitely gives isabel some not like doesn't give her shit but 
it, she can she's like telling Isabel that she like can clearly see that Isabel's heart like is worn on her sleeve for like mm-hmm. for Gatan and she's trying to give her some advice and saying you know um, a broken heart in war hurts just as bad you know uh-huh. in peaceful times so that you should say your goodbye well to him mm-hmm. and so that night um, I also Madame Babineau calls him handsome he, and in that, she does yes and in that moment I was like this is the literal first time that word has been used to describe him. I was him. like, wait a minute. Like, were we, like, is do Chandler and I just deeply not find what she described as attractive? Like, is this man an attractive man? Imagine everyone else who's read this book being like, damn, Gatan is hot. Yeah, and you and I are like, fuck it. And then I was also felt awful because then after I heard that he was handsome from Mab and Bottom, I was like, I care about him a little bit more. Oh my God. Because <laughs> he's like the, the handsome love interest. And I was like, I'm, I'm a shallow I, bitch. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. He has not had that many redeeming characters. Like, no. beyond his looks, like, he's not... <laughs> No, I, I just found it funny that I was yeah. like, once I was like, maybe he is handsome. Like, and I'm now I'm second guessing myself. Yeah, then, I mean, <laughs> hot guys are amazing. No, I'm <laughs> save all hot guys. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the slogan we are going after. But anyway. Okay. So um, that night, Gatan ends up telling Isabel that he's leaving the society that they've been mm-hmm. working in and he's going to go fight in a different way. Uh, he's going to join a group of is it guerrilla? Yeah. Is it? Okay. Guerrilla partisans. And they basically just like disrupt the Germans in any way they can, like bombing them mm-hmm. and um, getting in their way and f- fighting them more physically. Uh-huh. Um, so that is kind of where we leave off where with Isabel at that point. And we switch over to Vianne and she is going to the hotel that Henry works at and she wants to get fake papers um, for the child and the future children that she's going to be hiding, Uh um, which she's now in charge of. And he says that he can get her uh, blank papers, but that she's going to learn how to forge, has to learn how to forge them herself. Yes. So he does. He gets her the papers. Um, he like hides them inside a baguette and gives them, <laughs> which is like the weirdest thing ever. Um, but okay. And gives her the baguette. Vienna is going home with this baguette and she runs into Von Richter, uh, the terrible, terrible, awful, um, abusive German who is now living with her. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let me just take your basket for you. And Vienna is like freaking out. And it, yeah. Do you want to say something? Oh, no. I'm okay. Just... Um, and so Vianne, like, fakes being unwell, uh, like, <laughs> having right. a sickness. <laughs> and, again, the German's being really scared of getting, like, tuberculosis or anything. He's, like, super grossed out by this. And he and he's like, didn't I tell you that I, I can't be around you sick people? Um, he's like, I'm not coming home tonight. And so she ends up being able to hide these papers that she got from Henry. Um, <laughs> I just love how he's like, he's all like, you fucker for being sick near me. And she's like, you literally came up to me. Yeah. Like, I didn't just walk up to you and was like, hey, let's hang out. Von he's asshole. Von- <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Now he's Von asshole. Um, and so that night she starts like practicing, forging these identity papers and she starts getting really good at it. And she then makes three lists. Um, One list has the name, like the real name of Mm -hmm. the children that she's going to be hiding. Um, The second list is uh, those same children, but they're fake names Mm -hmm. that they're going to be given. And then the third list, is that where they're staying? Like where they're being hidden? Yeah, I think that's what I remember is that the third thing is either like 
who she knows their parents are or like where they're hidden either it's a way to connect like where they yeah need to go. it was some place and it sounded maybe like it was where they were gonna be but anyway so she has the three lists and then she like hides those lists in different spots because mm-hmm. she doesn't want anyone to um find out what she's doing which i think was really smart yeah um so then we switch uh Fast forward, I guess, to the older woman. In 1995. And she's in Pup-Up PDX, which is the (laughs) Portland Airport. (laughs) Um, And this is a really weird... I mean, this is... I have, like, two sentences on this because it was, like, kind of weird. She's, like, talking with a young girl at the airport. She's like, I'm running away, (laughs) hee-hee. And then, like, all of a sudden, uh, Daniel, her son... Julian. Julian? Why did I wrote Daniel? (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> I was confused. <laughs> yes, her son Julian uh, shows up, and he's like, "I'm going with you. You think you could just like go to Paris by yourself? Like, okay." Uh, and then there's just like some tension as to like she's not telling him mm-hmm. what the deal is, and he's like, "But I want to know." But he doesn't want to push her too hard. And then they just like get on an airplane, and she's like, "I'll tell you later." Yeah, it was just kind of yeah, it's kind of weird, but. Um, that's all we get, um, that the two of them are heading to Paris to go to that con- convention? No. What do you call that? Like it's a- like a, a, a meeting or like a gathering of, of yeah. people who... Like a recognition of, but I don't know what you call that. Yeah. Okay. I don't... Like a recognition of... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So then, um, we learn that concentration camps are like just in massive abundance and they're Mm -hmm. everywhere and um children from orphanages are being sent there and it's just it's bad news and the germans are becoming increasingly ever more aggressive and brutal with the news of you know losses in north africa and then the allies land in italy and start working their way up the Mm -hmm. italian peninsula um so yeah the germans are you know, it's just they continuously mention how it gets they're getting worse and worse and worse as the war goes on and they're taking out their anger yeah. on on everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so Isabel meets her father and he's again warning her the Germans are searching for the nightingale. You need to be careful. And he's like the high ranking SS officers are now talking about you and, like at high command. Mm-hmm, and she's like, oh, well, fucking OK, Isabel. <laughs> Uh, and then she meets Gatan again randomly. Like he like went off to do his like guerrilla mission, and he's back somehow. Yeah, they're like stationed like slightly outside of Paris. Okay, and so she goes to le- and they're they're I think they're called the Maquis. Yeah, the Maquis. Um, and so she goes and sees Gatan like in his Maquis group. Mm-hmm. Um, but and she. She uh, was it. She someone. I, I don't know if it was just said in the book or she thought it, but it was like a. They were described as like a really worn down, like ragtag <laughs> bunch, and she's like, I wouldn't want to be here alone, even though they're like fighting on the right side. Yeah, yeah. I was like, ooh, okay, um, not great. Uh, and so then, um, they're hanging out doing dumb stuff, and he gets word of another mission that he's going to be sent on. And then they have to like say goodbye again. So, mm-hmm. and I feel like this happens a couple of times where they're like, they're together for a minute and then they're not. And yeah, then, so he's gone. Um, and now we're back to Vianne who at this point, she's been able to hide 13 children in 18 months. Mm-hmm. And she's teaching at the orphanage now. Mm-hmm. And, 
Um, Richter stops by to question her about how she knows Henry and if she's involved with his crimes because he's just been arrested for aiding the enemy. And she, like, super denies it. She's like, I know him, but it's, like, a small town. Like, everybody knows everybody. I'm not colluding with him. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I have nothing to do with that. And he starts, like, threatening her. And he threatens to question her children. Yeah. And she begs him not to. And he, like, immediately sees that, that that's her weakness is, is her kids. Yeah, because she mentions that she's shown him, like, almost no emotion at all while yep. he's been there. And she's like, I haven't asked him for anything. I haven't done anything. But the second I asked him, please, like, please no, mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, his demeanor changes. Like, he's like, I got you. Like, I finally have something I on you. I know what makes you tick. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so we will continue to see him like abuse that and use that over her mm-hmm. uh and so he's like well you guys were seen together uh and i'm gonna hurt you if i find out that you're lying and, yeah, and so, he's like i hope you're lying i know me. oh he's such a creepo and then he brings vian to like a interrogation room and he's like questioning her so he like mm-hmm. she's at the orphanage and brings all the children outside on like a sunny day to go swimming yeah that's right. and then this fucker shows up and then, then he brings her to an interrogation room, and then he's asking her even more. And then he's like, oh, I hope you're lying to me, Ugh. which is just... Yeah, he's gross. Um, so at the same time, or maybe not the same time, I'm just imagining it's the same time, mm-hmm. um, Isabel is back at Madame B's little like mountain cottage thing, um, and she's there to escort... I think she's there to escort the next set of airmen. Yeah, she picks up um, some airmen and... She, she notes specifically that one of the airmen is holding a sign that basically says, I'm deaf and dumb and I'm waiting for my mom on. Mm-hmm. And she's like, it's so funny that like we've been using this the whole time and the Germans haven't noticed. Mm. And, then, and then she goes to get some airmen at Madame Babineau's house and the SS Gestapo show up and they bust down the door and they basically are like, you're all arrested. Yeah, and she gets hit in the back of the head. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the next time she wakes, she is tied to a chair, um, and she is being interrogated and tortured by the Gestapo. And she says to herself she has to last at least two days right. to give the other resistors time to get away Yep, and get into hiding. Yep, that was like their agreed upon, okay, if you get caught, you have to last two days mm-hmm. um, so that the rest of us can get out. Um, and this is where it gets, or starts, maybe not starts getting, but it, it, it inten- the, the intensity goes up. Yeah. It's now dialed up to 11. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, they're interrogating her, asking her who she is, who the nightingale is. And she always responds like, I'm Juliette Gervais. Um, I don't know anything about birds, which I think is like a funny, <laughs> clever way to be like, fuck you. Totally. Um, cause obviously nightingale's a bird. Uh, and they continue to just brutally beat her. And they think the nightingale's a man. Oh, yeah, they do. Um, and I'm not going to go into the, like, details of, like, how they beat her. I think that's just, you know, not what we're here for. So I'm going to just skip ahead. So she next awakes uh, naked in a refrigerator. Yeah, they um, shut her in a running refrigerator. Yeah. She's still tied up, and she's, like, panicking, thinking of all the people. She didn't really have the time to say the things that she needed to say to them. Um, and she's, she's trying to figure out how to get out, but she's 
nothing's going to work for her. She's tied up in a refrigerator right now. And then um, we get back to her later on mm-hmm. and we get a, a, a nice cut to Vianne who is now seeing dead people hanging from every street lamp, which is just the, the like imagery of that was. Yeah. She walks into the town square of Caraveau and it's just all the resistors that had been arrested are hanging. Like Chandler said from street lamps and she sees a mother who is like standing at the feet of her dead son and Vian runs and grabs her and is like you cannot be here you have to get out of here mm-hmm. and the mom is just like you know as you would be if you lost a child in that manner like kind of just n- not really functional and yeah. she's like but he does he can't be here he can't be here mm-hmm. and just yeah just walking into a town square and seeing people that you know yeah. And who are fighting for good things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm going to just skip to the part where um, her dad just like suddenly arrives yeah. in Caribou. And so they meet up at Rachel's house because they need a place without um, mm. Von Asshole. Von Asshole being there. So they go to Rachel's house and he, Vianne describes him like just. Like, he looks like a shadow of who he once was. He's, like, he looks old and tired and weary and worn down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he tells her that Isabel's been res- arrested um, and is imprisoned in Garou, or I'm not sure you pronounce that. She's been in prison. And so he plans to turn himself in in exchange for her. Mm-hmm. And he says that... Isabel is going to really need Vianne after this is all done. And she needs to tell Isabel that she did do the right thing because Isabel is going to agonize over the choices she made and the people that she mm-hmm. affected and that Vianne needs to reassure her that she did the right thing. Yeah. And he goes on to admit that he was a terrible father to them growing up and that this, he feels, is the one thing that he can do right do right by his girls. Uh, and so he leaves a letter for both Vianne and Isabel. And he tells her not to open it until they're together. So this letter will come back later. And I think what really got me is that like Vianne learns in this moment with her dad that he has always loved her and Isabel so much, yeah. but the war, the great war broke him so badly that he's like, I couldn't love He's like, I am so destroyed that I loved you because I'm not even that much of a human anymore to be able to say I love you now. Mm -hmm. And I just, I thought that was really powerful. And at that moment with her dad, like he's, he, she kind of like sees him off as he goes to go um, save Isabel. And she mentions that, um, uh, when Vianne watched him walk away, when at last he disappeared, she returned home. There, she paused beneath the apple tree full of scraps of fabric. In the years that she had been tying scraps to the branches, the tree had died and the fruit had turned bitter. The other apple trees were hale and healthy, but this one, the tree of her remembrances, was as black and twisted as the bombed-out town behind it. And I just thought, like, the writing level in this part like gets even better. Mm-hmm. And there's so many moments where like her writing just like catches the soul of the pain i feel like totally and just the fact that she's describing this like one tree that like holds all of the people that are gone mm-hmm. like dies under the weight of that is just 
I don't know. It really, it really struck me. And I thought it was really powerful imagery for yeah. the moment. Yeah. She writes that beautifully. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vianne uh, then goes back to her house and is immediately interrogated by Von Asshole again, mm-hmm. uh, but about her son this time. And he says to her that the records only say that she has a daughter uh, and her son looks nothing like her. So what is going on? Mm -hmm. And she has to lie and say that he's adopted from a dead relative. And to skip a few steps, he basically coerces her into having sex for uh, in trade for leaving Daniel alone. Mm -hmm. And he is really violent with her and rapes her pretty much yeah yep so i'm not going to go into the details i don't think that's necessary but he is awful and violent and sexually Mm -hmm. abuses her and something that i thought was really interesting is that when like isabel is being like physically beaten like she's being thrown in a refrigerator she's being physically beaten but the whole time she keeps saying they cannot touch my soul like they're beating my body but they can't touch my soul Mm -hmm. but the second Kristen hannah talks about the assault of Vianne, mm-hmm. Vianne mentions that like he's close to breaking her soul. Like he's mm-hmm. close to breaking her as mm-hmm. a person. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really powerful way for Kristen Hannah to say like, like think about how brutal like assault is like yeah. versus like, you know, it's awful to be beaten, mm-hmm. but like there's a, and I just thought the dichotomy there that like Isabel is being like, tortured right and then but she highlights vianne's pain almost at like it's both body and soul right and i just it's not to like harp on it but i just thought it was a really powerful way for Kristen hannah to show like that type of attack is like it's meant to destroy you it's not on many different levels yeah for sure uh, okay, so we're back um, with Isabel, who we last saw in a refrigerator, but now she wakes up and she's got two men in a room with her, and they basically just say, we're, we're done with you, mm-hmm. and they bring in her father, Yeah, uh, and he admits to being the nightingale. Isabel starts freaking out and saying, you know, you're, or I'm the one that you want, and this is when they they are just they can't imagine that a woman would be the nightingale that a woman could do it. Yeah. And I thought that was weird because they couldn't believe that a woman could do it, but her dad is an old ass raggedy <laughs> such a good tired point. man and he's been the one going over the mountain pass like no shame or no shade to him, but no that's such a good point. Like, I didn't even think of that. He's an old man like you I that was a little unbelievable but i also think maybe it was one of those things where they just anyone who was going to cop up to it they were just gonna say okay and then be done with it because it was such a you know an annoyance for them that they just wanted to yeah and and they were so misogynistic like Mm -hmm. the nazis were very like beyond their like racist horrible bullshit they were also like viciously misogynistic that Mm -hmm. like women are base and their only duty is to like make babies for Germany. And so like, they're like, 
oh, this frail, dying old man could definitely climb so over the mountains, but not ridiculous. She'd brought, like, women can't walk. I know. I was just like, I, yeah, whatever. <laughs> this is so stupid, but. but that's so funny. I didn't even think about yeah, that. Yeah, I was such like, a you're going to believe, like, I understand the, like, misogyny part, like, but he's an old, like, the way that Vianne just described him, like, no. Yeah. This man does not go <laughs> over any mountains. Um, and so she, she is begging them. Uh, or sorry, she's begging her dad not to do this. Mm-hmm. And he looks at her and says, well, it's 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 done. This has been done. And she sees that he's doing it for her and finally showing up as mm-hmm. the father that she always needed him to be. And we get like a little bit of flashbacks. Uh, and she's kind of remembering like the times of of her father before the war and before mm-hmm. his alcoholism and she's like reminiscing on on him when he was a good dad uh-huh uh and so they drag him out and they kill him via firing squad mm-hmm. um and that was that was really sad um then we're back to Vienne and this is right after Von Richter has um r-worded her and mm-hmm. she is like of course just feeling super violated and upset and angry <clears throat> excuse me and she talks about or thinks about wanting to kill him and she talks about wanting to kill herself and mm-hmm. she's like feeling guilty like what would antoine think of this and she's just kind of spiraling over what has happened to her and uh she knows that she needs to find Isabel so she so she leaves uh and leaves Sophie and mm-hmm. Daniel to go look for Isabel in Garou. Mm-hmm. And the it seemed like it must have been close because all of a sudden yeah. she's there. It seems like it's just a couple towns over. Okay, cuz all of a sudden she's there and she must have gotten there very soon after it's happened, but she sees her dead father uh lashed up to a fountain oh mm-hmm. brutal uh and okay there's a little bit of like jumping back and forth between isabel and vianne mm-hmm. right now so sorry if this gets a little confusing but uh we go back to isabel's perspective and she's thinking they're gonna kill her next yeah and all of a sudden vianne is there yeah she's like drags isabel is dragged out yes, of her outside. cell she's like mm-hmm. thrown this like horrible dress and ill-fitting shoes and she's dragged outside. Then she sees Vianne Mm -hmm. and Vianne runs up to her and is like, I'm here to save you. And Isabel's like, yeah, dad came to try and save me too. And now he's dead. So like, get out of here. Yep. And then the, the Nazis basically like grab Isabel and just continue to like walk her away. Like put her in a back of a car. Yep. And then just along with, um, Madame Babineau, who's, we name we learn is Micheline. Yep. Or we rem- are reminded that her name is Micheline. Um, and they get th- drove to a car and then they, we switch to solidly Isabel's perspective and they deliver them to a train yard where they then lo- load Isabel and Micheline onto a train car that is packed full of people and um, in horrible conditions. They basically have a, a, large um barrel to go to the bathroom mm-hmm. in um and so they ride for multiple days on this train car and then they 
The train stops and they are forced off and they learn that they're at Ravensbrook, which is an all-female uh, concentration camp. Um, it's one of the more famous of the women-only mm. um, camps. camps. Um, and then we switch back to Vianne um, and Vianne is needing to leave the house um, or it's after um, Von Richter essays her again and she comes down the stairs and she sees Sophie and she's kind of like, well, let's just kind of go to bed together. And Sophie is like, well, what are you doing with him? Like, why, like, you think I'm stupid? Like, why would you do that? Why would you let him do that? Yeah. And Vienna is like, because you'll understand if you're a mother and this is my war Mm -hmm. to bear. And it's this really incredibly emotional moment between Sophie trying to understand what is happening to her mom and Vianne trying to explain like, like, how do you explain that to your, you don't want to explain it and how right. do you? And so she's just like, it's just, I hope one day you'll understand, but I'm doing this to protect you. And mm-hmm. this is my war and like my cross to bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sophie just kind of is like, I, f- I hate him. Like I want him to die. Yeah. And Vianne is like, I do too. Mm-hmm. And I think that, is kind of a powerful moment between the two of them that Sophie learns that her mother hates this man. Right. And then she's not just doing it. Right. It's not for fun and games. Like she's, she is having to do something really shitty in order Mm -hmm. to maintain, I I don't have a better way to say it, but maintain the peace um, Mm -hmm. for her children in the house. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then she's at the orphanage orphanage Mm -hmm. uh, where she's teaching and she's taking the kids out to the swimming pond. It's a hot day. And uh, uh, sister, is it Marie Therese? Yeah. Okay. Sister Marie Therese is out there with her and Vianne is like, excuse me, and goes and vomits Mm -hmm. in the bushes. And we learn that Vianne is pregnant. Yikes. Um, yeah, obviously with Von Richter's child. So that's not good. Um, okay, wait. Now I'm confused. So Yeah, this part gets really confusing. She's at the pond with the children. Oh, she, she's still at the pond. Okay. And then all of a sudden, the Germans just show up. Fucking roll by. And Von Richter Asshole is yeah. like, we're leaving your stupid town. And you're dumb. And later. Yeah, he's like, you, like were, f- you were just my whore. Yeah. It's okay. Okay, so that does happen like right after we learn that she's pregnant. Yeah, she okay. like goes and vomits in the bushes and then walks back and... And then it's just, he's like, we're leaving now. And you're my whore. And bleh, and like a fucking like teen girl. Like I've imagined like in Mean Girls where they're like, get in, bitch. We're going shopping. Oh, like, he's like, he's like, you're dumb. And I, don't, I never liked it anyway. Yes. And she's like, why would that fucking hurt me? Yeah. Like, you're the most evil man I've ever met in my mm-hmm. entire life. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm super glad you go. And I hope you die. Yeah. He's such an ass. Okay. So after that. I feel like not that not a lot happens, but like with Vianne, it kind of just says like she's continuing to write letters to Antoine and like 
soon after Antoine returns. Yeah, like, like, there wasn't a whole lot of in-between. No, it's she's mostly, like, highlighting, like, life is slowly starting to creep back to normal. Yes. But the war is still going on. So mm-hmm. there's this, like, weird interim period where, like, the Germans aren't there anymore, but, like, and shit's kind of better, but it's not really that better because, like, there's bombings constantly. You still can't get anything. But the good thing is, is that the Nazis aren't there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the one day she's thinking about like Antoine and she turns around and he's like walking down the road, which is like, what the fuck? Yeah. We haven't heard from him in like hundreds of pages. I just assumed he was dead. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think that was like one of our first predictions is like Antoine's not going to make it. Yeah. That was, I like thought that he hadn't made it in the first few weeks when I thought he, he was, yeah. We thought Beck was like just writing shit to make her feel I cannot, better. Yeah. And I have a qualm with that, but we can talk about that later. Yeah. So he, um, she runs up to him and she can clearly see that Antoine has been tortured. Like his left arm, I think is yeah. like completely like disfigured. Yeah. It's been broken so badly. Um, and she be- immediately is like, what the fuck am I supposed to tell him? Like, how do I tell him mm-hmm. what has happened here? Yeah. That there was a first German who was here who was, like, kind to her and helped her, but he was still an awful person. But then there was an even worse thing, and now she's pregnant. And mm-hmm. so she's, like, on this verge of trying to tell him. And then Sophie even is like, let's not, like, talk about it. And this whole part about how she, like, Vienna's just, tortured by like what is she supposed to say to Antoine how does Mm -hmm. she supposed to bring it up and then he asks her at one point like she tries to bring it up and he's like do we really need to talk about it and I was like how fucking dare you yeah I I didn't I didn't quite I couldn't tell if I was misinterpreting the tone of that Mm -hmm. like maybe he was saying it in a way where it's like I which is arrogant of him to say like i understand like what has happened here you know we don't need to do that talk about it if you don't like it it could be like out of kindness Mm -hmm. like i already know what's happened so you don't need to tell me but the way i first interpreted it was yeah do we even need to talk about it here and i'm like that was either way it's not good and i i know that like ideas of trauma and healing from trauma in the 1940s was like bury it and die with it Mm -hmm. but still like i just could never imagine to my partner after a fucking war Mm -hmm. coming back and being like do we really need to talk about like do you really need to talk about it yeah like yes People need to talk about their trauma. And like, I get that they didn't really fully understand, but it just, it made me really, it made me really mad at Antoine. And I was like, it just, I don't know. It just was really hard. Yeah. And I have something to say that maybe is redeeming for him in a minute, but um, also she has to introduce him to like their quote unquote new son, Daniel. Right. And I, and she, I, you know, I'm assuming she tells him that this is um, Rachel's Mm -hmm. child, Ari, that was now like, our child uh and he and daniel has no idea he thinks that antoine's his actual dad he's like daddy you're he's home. Like, it's so, it's so, so cute. cute um okay and so uh and this they go on to talk about how like antoine still has some like military habits you know oh where, yeah camp where he's like huddling over his food and like shoveling it into his like mouth. as if it was like a timed event yeah and like doing things like that and they both aren't feeling very intimate with each other. They're both, I think, still, like, processing their trauma, all mm-hmm. the shit that's happened to them. But they still end up hooking up, the, sleeping together the, the first night that he gets home. Um, which <sighs> is not great, but I also think that Vianne intentionally did that, 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, he tells her, you know, he he escaped by running away because at that at a certain point he was like running away and potentially dying is better than me staying because he was tortured so badly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vian right wants to tell Antoine what happened what happened with the Germans and von Richter, but she's like immediately guilty and or sorry immediately feels guilty mm-hmm. and starts thinking well what if he wonders if she could have stopped it or what if he wonders if I enjoyed it yeah, yeah. which is just I oh my god that so awful and, and the fact that she felt that with such conviction that she's like he's yeah. not gonna like he won't understand understand yeah broke me i was like i feel like i know this happens but i was like i would hope that a partner would understand like right and antoine like at least how he was describing the beginning of the book was very compassionate to her mm-hmm. and felt like a character that would be empathetic towards her but i yeah i don't know yeah but just so, really so she doesn't end up telling him uh, and then two months later, she tells him that she's pregnant, and it's not really clear mm-hmm. whether or not he understands that it's not his child. Yeah, it seems like it, we're given the impression that he knows that it can't be, mm-hmm. but they don't. It, they, she doesn't give like solid information that he does yeah he's just like this is a blessing we wanted more children yes exactly which i think it was nice that he was supportive of Mm -hmm. her and excited for their new child and they talk about the baby being their new beginning and at a certain point vienna's like i want i want this baby to like make me forget like forget all the bad things and he says um it's not the forgetting we need vienna it's the remembering yeah and so like there, I feel like there is a part of him that's like we do need to like remember all the shitty things that happened and like our trauma, but also like he's not, he's not engaging with her in talking about any of it. So yeah, it's very like just like she bury was. it and move on. Yeah, like we need to remember before, and it's I don't know. It's just you see so many people after the war who like never really dealt with their trauma and like how it affected them and their health, and mm-hmm. I don't know. It just makes me sad. I understand sure. why, and I get you know you know. I'm empathetic to their situation, but it just, it, it hurt me, especially after seeing like what Vianne was going through to just to hear those words. Like I was yeah. putting myself in her position. And I'd be like, I like that would break me hearing my partners say those things. Yeah. But. And that was just normal for the time, which sucks. Sucks yeah. that it was that, that was the norm. Mm-hmm. But I feel like, hopefully now we can say this that like we know how to handle that better maybe at least uh, yeah that some there people would be more support, support for mm-hmm. sure um we then uh switch back to isabel and she is in the camp and the nazis are making them in a group of them to uh basically roll this giant stone wheel across the land yeah. to like make a road which that's not making a road. It's just making a flat line through things, <laughs> but whatevs. Yeah. Um, but she's like sick as shit and is being made to just yank this rock around with a bunch of people. And she keeps falling and others fall and they just like grab them and you're like, you have to get back up. You can't stay there. You have to get back up. You have to they keep get, fighting. They get beat when they're, when they fall over. Yeah. Um, and so 
the Germans are becoming increasingly more awful and the camp. And they then start to hear that the the war is ending, that the Germans are really starting to lose. The allies have landed in France and are moving their way down through, you know, the continent. Um, and they are starting to hear that other camps are being liberated. So at this point, everyone is like, it is a race against the clock to stay alive until someone comes mm-hmm. and liberates them. Mm-hmm. Um, so Isabel is getting more and more sick as this is going. She's increasingly weak, um, fever. She talks about the different parts of the camp that you don't want to be sent to because you know that that's a death sentence. Like you're going to, if you go to the sick tent, you're done. Like mm-hmm. you're not coming out of there. It's basically like just an open air tent in the freezing cold winter that they're put in to just die. Yeah, because they don't want, the Germans don't want to get sick. So they all quarantine the sick people. Mm-hmm. And then um, they are like force marched through the woods um, and they come to another camp where she sees, like, someone yells out Isabel, Mm -hmm. and she turns and she sees a nook. Yeah. I did not think we were going to see a nook again. I couldn't believe it. And so she goes up, and her and a nook are talking, and um, a nook, because there's, like, a dead person, like, just there in between them, and she, a nook tells her that the Germans are killing all of them to cover up what they've done. Mm -hmm. Um, And so Isabel is basically like, I can't, keep going if i keep going i'm gonna die like i can't do this anymore and michelin who's there the whole time is like you just you need to keep going you can't fall down you can stand up you can keep going you Mm -hmm. can live um and so it's just this like you just feel it in your gut like come on come on come on come on yeah like just hold on a little longer a little longer um and we switch back to vm and she heads to paris with um antoine and sophie um and this is where all of these like major hotels in Paris, because the Germans have left Paris by this point. Um, all these major hotels are starting to become reunification zones for families and people who have been taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all these lists on the walls of people. And um, Vianne goes up and says she's looking for her sister, Isabel Rosignol. Um, and she asks about Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, and they say, well, we don't have any information on these two right now, but give us a second. We'll send a USO or a Red Cross worker to look through files and maybe they'll have something. Um, but in the meantime, Vianne says she's um, hid Jewish children and she has a list of names that she would like to give to people. Um, and um, then uh, they are super stunned by the number of children yeah. she was able to save. They were like, she was oh like, my I God. Only, she was like, I only was able to do how, how many was like 19. Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh my God, you saved 19 Jewish children who would have otherwise been sent to the camps and probably would not have survived. Like that is a blessing. And they, yeah, they simply state to her at that point, they don't know yet. Like Vian doesn't know, but they're like, they like literally would have died. They were like, the numbers coming out of this is staggering. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I think at this point we then switch back almost. So Mm. the Red Cross worker is able to tell her that Rachel and her husband, Mark are both deceased. They did not make it through the camps. And that Rachel lived only was only in the camp for, I think they were like quite soon after she was taken. She died. Yeah. Uh, And that there is no record of Isabel. Mm -hmm. So that, that is, I don't know what the reason for that is, but they, they can't find Isabel. Uh, and 
there's I have this like little snippet that I thought was important to leave in. Mm -hmm. Sophie asks Vianne how she's doing and she like implies doing like with the baby that she has. And Vianne tells her that the baby is innocent regardless of how it was created. And I thought that was just like a really important thing to note that no matter for Vianne, no matter what happened to her, that that baby was going to be her baby and that that was going to be family for them. So, yeah, that, um, that was really hard. I was like, that's a level of like fortitude mm -hmm. that I, I wouldn't like, Strength. I wouldn't have. Right. Cause you think after being violated by someone like that, that you'd be really resentful and upset mm -hmm. and that you might have those feelings towards the baby, but Vianna's all, all love for this baby that they're expecting. Yeah. Just like, just the reminder, like it's a child and like it, all children are born without like evil. Like they're just little babies and they didn't choose what happened to them. But mm -hmm. like, just to have that reminder of uh, just, I was like, damn, that's a level of fucking strength that I can tell you right now. I would not have. Yeah. I would be like, nope. Yeah. I can't. I, can't. I, I like can't. Um, but we, uh, as I crinkle my notes, crinkle, crinkle. <laughs> you're, you're ready. Now we're ready to switch perspectives. Take it away. Uh, we switch to, um, back to Isabel and the Americans come. The Americans they, are here. The Americans are here. We are liberated. Why, why did I, I don't have know. a German accent? I know. Why did they are under terrible. That shit. Terrible. Cut it out. <laughs> um, the Americans come and they liberate the camp and, Isabel is alive and Michelin mm -hmm. are both alive when the Americans come, but pretty much immediately Isabel like sees that she's liberated and then passes, passes out. Cause she is yeah. horribly, horribly Sick, ill. Yeah. Um, we switch back to VM and it kind of just notes it's highlighting this, like, um, like the weather is sunny. It's starting to go back to before, like, Kristen Hanna is really giving this imagery of like things becoming like new growth and new life. Mm -hmm. Um, and Vianne and Antoine are still searching for Isabel. Every chance they get, they're sending letters. They're going to different places, trying to find her. Um, and then Antoine and the kids put on this like really adorable play for Vianne. <laughs> they like yeah. built her this beautiful chair and then they put on this really cute play and Daniel's like, struggling to remember his lines <laughs> so and he's got his cute. like crooked cape and they have this beautiful family moment and then um two men roll up in a in a car and they come to tell Vienna and Antoine that Danielle slash Ari has family in America that Rachel has a cousin who mm -hmm. lives in America and that they would love to have Daniel come and they she's like she of course they're like we don't want he's our son like we yeah. don't want him to go like she was my best friend i don't want to lose him right and they tell him they this is when they learn they're like millions of jewish people are dead mm -hmm. and he needs to go be with his jewish family yes. to keep the jewish culture and faith alive mm -hmm. and he needs to go be and she because she's mentions like but we'll raise him in his jewish faith and we will make sure he goes to synagogue right. and they were like you cannot give him what what we need him to have yeah and i felt like this was really powerful because they were like daniel and all of the children and people who survived are this like they are the ones that are going to keep this faith 
alive and that it's more important to keep a culture alive than he needs to be with his people yeah his people and it has nothing to do with them not being able to raise him correctly it's just that he needs to be within his culture within the people Mm -hmm. it's because they've they've lost so many and it's doing him a disservice to not let him grow up in the way that a jewish family would be yeah raised so um and so vianne and antoine being you know the people that they are um it's really hard to send Daniel away, but they they do. They're like, we understand that mm-hmm. this is what needs to happen. Um, they But they're honest with Daniel. And this is what I think really warms me is because the people kept saying, like, he needs to forget you. Mm-hmm. Like, just let him go. Like, yeah. basically put him in the car and, like, we'll go away. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vianna's like, your mother was my best friend. Yeah. And I loved her and she loved you. And now you're going to go be with family. And they are all surrounding him being like, we love you. We will remember you. And then Sophie gives Daniel. Yeah. Her her stuffy um, to keep with him, to keep him safe. Um, Cause Vianne then goes, well, can I, can I write to him? Mm -hmm. Can they send me pictures? And they're like, no, it's best for him to just kind of go about her life. But, I really want to, I just want to read what she says to him because it made me cry. And she's like, her name was Rachel de Champlain and she loved you with all her heart. And your papa was a brave man named Mark. I wish I could tell you, be the one to tell you their stories, but I can't. She dashed the tears from her eyes because your maman's cousin loves you too. And she wants you to come live with them in America. And this part was just really cute after a whole war where she's like, where people have plenty to eat and lots of toys to play with. Oh, you're gonna make me cry. It was it was so sad to how it, it feels like he got torn away from family twice. Right? Mm-hmm. Once from Rachel, which was absolutely awful and traumatic, and and then when Vianne took him in, it was like, okay, he's gonna be fine. Vianne is a good mother. Mm-hmm. And then it was like he's being taken away again. And mm-hmm. you just you just feel so bad. But you know he's going to a good place um, yeah. where he's gonna be taken care of and there are other children his age. And it's needed and yeah. yeah it but just- it, it was hard. <laughs> it was super hard. That was maybe one of the um most difficult parts of the book for me pers- yeah yeah to read yeah you're just sitting there and you're like no he needs to stay with vienna and then you're like no he doesn't like he needs I, like this is necessary but it just <laughs> it was yeah it was tough um did you want to say anything else about that section nah okay so we switch to isabel and she's at a hospital in paris uh trying to recover she's Oh, man, the way she's described, she's got, like, patchy hair. She's got sores all over her body. She's stick thin, and she's been coughing up blood. Like, she is just sick and a mess. And she learns that she has both pneumonia and typhus. Yes. Uh, Micheline tells her that the train is ready to come take her to her sisters, and it's coming soon. Mm-hmm. And so they have, like, a sweet goodbye moment, which, like, I feel like... Throughout this section of the book, Isabel and Micheline were like, became like best friends. Like they were mm-hmm. each other's um, shoulder to lean on, and they were everything. I think Micheline is the one that kept Isabel alive. That yes. without Micheline, Isabel would have died. Yep. So Isabel gets on the train. She makes it to Caribou. Uh, Vianne immediately rushes over to her, and is well, like 
strong em- emphasis on welcoming welcoming her home. She's like, you're home now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take care of you. And she's caring for her through her sickness and trying to like feed Isabel and clean her up. And Isabel is asking forgiveness about Beck. And they kind of like settle everything with each other. Vianne um, tells her that it's basically water under the bridge. And can you forgive me for not being a good sister and abandoning you when, when you were little? So they kind of have this like moment where they're both recognizing their, their faults and wanting to patch their relationship. So we can see them having gone through a bunch of shit and growing and realizing that they matter a lot to each other and that they're, they're family. Yeah. And then, um, and then I also, like, Vianne tells Isabel, like, she's so proud of her. She's like, I'm so proud of what you did yeah. in this war. And Isabel, because she's trying to live up to what her father told her she needed to do, to tell her that Isabel made the right choices, did the right thing. Yep. Um, and then she tells Isabel she's really proud of her. And then she kind of, like, tells her about the SS asshole, because Isabel's like, well, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Like, what about your war? And, you know... Isabel, I think Isabel knows about the children, um, but this is when Vianne tells her about what the SS asshole did to her. Mm -hmm. And Isabel grabs her and she's like, he could never touch your soul. Mm -hmm. Like that is always yours. And I just, I just thought that on top of the other, of them kind of reconciling was really powerful. That Isabel, there was no judgment, no anything. It was just like, he didn't, get you right right for sure um and so we go through a little bit of time where isabel is sick and vienna is taking care of her isabel's having constant nightmares and i think you know wakes up confused a lot about the war if it's over where she is mm-hmm. and she's telling vienna that you know Gatan is supposed to have found her and she's kind of she's kind of all over the place um and Vianne and her eventually open up the letter from their dad and they get to, you know, read his words and he really apologizes for not being a good father to them and that he really did love them through and through like we've talked about before. So, uh, and then one day Gatan shows up and Isabel is like classic Isabel. She's like feeling super self-conscious about how she looks. She's like, oh my God, my patchy hair. And she's like, I'm not pretty. Yeah. And Vian's like, you look beautiful. You're gorgeous. And uh, so he, they like embrace and, you know, he tells her you you were just as beautiful as you've always been. And I thought that was really powerful. It says that she, she finally cries for everything. Like she finally lets all of her pain and suffering like out it just comes out uh and they both say that they love each other and they're having this like really emotional moment together and then it is implied not directly stated but it's clear that um isabel then like dies in that moment Mm -hmm. um as she's um, finally been reunited with Gatan and finally having this moment of release for all of these emotions and pain that, sh- that she's had. Mm-hmm. It feels like she she had been 
waiting for that moment so that she could do those last things that she needed to do before before she passed and and now cue cue tia's tears (laughs) did you did you want to add anything to that to that moment no it's just it's just hard that like this woman who who fought so hard and I'm so happy that she got to see Gatan, but I just, it made me so sad that it was like, she fought so hard right. <laughs> to make it through. Right. And, you know, of course, with like how sick she was, it would be a miracle if she lived, but it just, it just sucked. <laughs> right. It's like you go through, like, I mean, she literally went through the worst things imaginable, imaginable to a person and only made it to a point of being able to like very briefly see the love of her life and not get to experience life with that person beyond what she'd been through. So yeah, Yeah. it was, it was fucked up for sure. Um, and now you can see our two ways of dealing with things. I'm like, yeah, we're just going to keep on going. <laughs> Tia's like, I have emotions. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. Okay. Um, then we switch to the 1995 perspective and the woman is still, is in Paris with Julian and they, are strolling they are gonna go to the meeting but they kind of take this stroll through paris and they stop by this um like bakery and she gives she buys juliana macron and she's like this is like where my mom bought me my first macron and Mm -hmm. so she gives it to julian and he's like this is delicious and then she takes him to this cafe and they eat a little and they drink a little wine and she's like i forgot the feeling of like lazy beauty of Paris and she's just kind of enjoying this moment and as they make their way to the meeting and when they get there she tells Julianne that she's scared like she's nervous about this but when she comes in people are surprised they didn't expect her to be there mm-hmm. um and they see her and it is a, a meeting of all the men and the families and their families that Isabel saved when taking the men, I'm, I'm going to cry from now on. So just be prepared <laughs> for this. Of all the men that Isabel saved, and Julian is like, what the fuck? I've never heard any of this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vianne just gives this incredible speech about Isabel. We learned that it's Vianne, obviously. But <laughs> who, is, who is the older <laughs> woman? the older woman? Who got invited. Right. Yes, go ahead. But she gives this incredible speech about Isabel and how hard she fought to be free in all manners, like as a child running away from convents and schools to be home. And, and then as an adult to help these men get across the Pyrenees, cause it was the right thing to do. Um, and it just was this incredible speech of sisterly love and showing like how incredible her family is and how just all the things they did to, to help people. And we then see, um, you know, all the men are coming up, all these people are coming up to thank her and tell her like how much it meant and like that their lives were saved because of Isabel and they had a family mm-hmm. because of her. Um, and then we see like name tags and we learn that they see a name tag for Sophie and we learn mm-hmm. that Sophie has, has already passed that she died of yeah. cancer, but that she lived a life. She lived a life always taking care of her mom. Like mm-hmm. she was, she know she mentions like my my worried daughter that she always fluttered around her maman to make sure she's safe, um, and then Gatan comes <laughs> up and he says, "I want you to meet my daughter Isabel." Yeah, and he says that um, 
he tells Neon that Isabel has always been the love of his life. That yeah. he's like, I have always loved her. And um, so uh, on page 561 in my book, um, uh, gotta get there. Sorry. Um, Julian is like, what the hell, mom? Like, in a, in a polite way. Yeah. But he's like, what the hell? Like, I haven't, I have not heard any of this. Like, I not from you, not from Sophie, not from dad, like nothing. And this part, this is why I feel about these books with women. I have the same quote written down. Yes. I have, yeah. That men tell stories, I say, in the truest, simplest answer to his question, women get on with it. For us, it was a shadow war. There were no parades for us when it was over, no medals or mentions in history books. We did what we had to during the war, and when it was over, we picked up the pieces and started our lives over. And that's just what is so powerful that about women's stories in war is that they don't get talked about. They mm-hmm. don't get the accolades or the the and the men who fight should get things, but the people who have to survive through occupation, right? Through war, while well, having family members away, also deserve to be noted that there is another battle going on, and especially with in occupation, these women are fighting to keep homes alive for men to come back to, and cultures and places for people to come back to and I live mean, again. They're basically prisoners of war in their own town, and they how- are. Yeah, so. You're right. They should. They need to have recognition. There need to be stories told about them. And there's just not. And there's so many women that all the men went to go fight. So the women were leading these resistance movements. Yeah. Are you okay? Yeah. Sorry. I had a okay. little, a little foot cramp. <laughs> my, my like, my whole eyeballs were like. <laughs> you looked like you were in so much pain, and I was like, oh my god. I've been having. I'm sorry to interrupt this. I've been having really bad uh, leg cramps recently, and so I, yeah, if I get like a little tinge of it, I'd like start to panic. But it went, it went away. <laughs> okay. So I think we're good. Thank goodness. Um, but yeah, so they she highlights this moment of just like the women are also expected to just move on and then take take on the trauma of the men that come home that it's right it's now yeah. their duty to to work through the men's trauma mm-hmm. and to put theirs behind them as they move forward at least yeah. in this time period it, that was the expectation yeah and it just again that's why i love stories about women during the war because they aren't talked about mm-hmm. um but she's talking with this with julian and then she sees this tall handsome dark-haired man come up to her and he goes madam uh Madame Muriak, is that her last name? Or, I don't know. But she's like, he's like, Madame. And she turns and she goes, what? And he, he's holding Bebe. <gasps> and it's Dan, it's Daniel slash Ari. Yes, it's Ariel de Champlain. And he, he tells her that he never forgot them. And that she and Sophie saved his life. Um, and Ari, so they're having this conversation and Ari says, you know, she saved 19 Jewish children and Julian's like, what the, like, who were you mom? Like, this is wild. Uh, and, um, and that he, he, he was telling her that, you know, after, I think it was after he graduated college, his mom gave him the photo that yeah. Vianne had given him when, when she had to give him up of, of her and Rachel, of her and his mom. And um, yeah, it was just really sweet for her to get to see Ari um, as a grown adult, a, ch- a child that she literally saved. Yeah. And she says that she's a nightingale in her own right. 
mm-hmm. then Julian is like, well, did dad know? And then she highlights this moment where she's like, she immediately like recognizes the pain of like who Julian's real father is. Yeah. But then she's like, you brought me back to life. Yep. Julian, like it doesn't matter. Like your dad had his own things, but like, just like, she's like, you are what brought us out of the war. Yeah. It was you. And then the last, the last paragraph of the, the book is i smile at them my two boys who should have broken me but somehow saved me each in his own way because of them i now know what matters and it is not what i have lost it is my memories wounds heal love lasts we remain and Uh. i bawled like i'm crying right now and i cried so hard when i finished and robert was like are you okay he gets very (laughs) upset like when i cry and Mm. so he was like oh (laughs) like at the time that i finished this my sister was in the hospital because she was so sick oh my god and so i'm like reading this book about the sisters and then brianna was in the hospital at the moment i was like oh no (laughs) is she okay yeah she just got really really sick oh Um, um, and she she kept working while she was really oh. sick and then she exhausted herself to the point gotcha. where her body couldn't she was, your body do, her body was like nope you're gonna stop now yeah so it, she got a real high fever and had to go to the hospital she's okay but okay i'm glad but at the time it was and it was a lot was like, yeah <laughs> but, yeah so i uh i bawled like hard at the end of this yeah book. that i don't i don't normally cry at things like movies and books but i definitely did get like wet eyes so that that's pretty good for me yeah that's pretty good for me (laughs) that's a that's a a basic crime (laughs) that's a win in my book (laughs) um okay should we talk about like overall thoughts about the book any yeah okay let's do it uh do we want to go straight into our ratings or do you have things Uh, that you want to say before that no i think mostly my what i have to say is like about my rating and just like that that's yeah me too why don't you go ahead um, so surprise, um, I'm rating this a five stars. Like, I, knew I would it. give it a million stars. I knew it from the second we opened this book. Like literally the first chapter, I was like, this is a five out of five for Tia. There's oh, yeah. no if and or buts. No, this is yeah. like, this is so good that I'm going to try and read like anything like historical fiction that Kristen Hanna puts out. I'm going to fucking read like gobble it, gobble it up like the turkey you are. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. It just fucking incredible incredibly intense and hard but i felt like the subject matter was tackled really well mm-hmm. um and if there were parts where i thought there was some weakness like i'm glad that antoine survived but also i felt like it was a little too perfect mm-hmm. that he lived mm-hmm. but i get the i get why he needed to come back for van's story is because sure. him living and coming back with what happened to her right was another level of like pain and war that Vian had to get through. So I get it, but I, I truly think this is a, it is one I will recommend to people forever. I think it is a fantastic, fantastic book. Truly. Yeah. yeah. And it reminds me a lot of a book called um, Rose Under Fire, which is about um, another book similar to this. It's a female pilot who ends up in Ravensbrook. And the oh. whole book is about Whoa. her being in Ravensbrook. Okay, wow. So it was really cool to see it, like, not cool, but like, interesting to see it pop up in this book having read that other one with so much detail and description about that camp in particular um and so yeah it's just one of those ones that 
I will forever recommend it. And I, I truly, truly loved it. Thought it was an incredible book. Hell so five yeah. out of five. Hell yeah. What'd you think? So this is so far out of Chandler's <laughs> like comfort zone. It really and is. And I'm so excited it to really hear is. your rating and your thoughts. Okay. So I rated this um, overall a four out of five. Oh, damn. <laughs> and here's, here's the deal. Like this could have been a like four and a half or five could have like very close uh-huh. i thought it was like super cinematic like it felt like you were watching a movie yes, or you totally. were you were reading a script to a movie like I, like everything she wrote was just beautiful and you mm-hmm. could imagine it and i the story was was amazing and compelling like the book was just fantastic yeah like and i agree i'm going to recommend this to like loads of people loads of people mm-hmm. the only things that were a little bit lacking for me uh-huh um which i think you have an easier time forgiving because i think you you really enjoy this kind of story mm-hmm. um but for me like the romantic relationships were were lacking ah, uh-huh. um we kind of talked about vianne and antoine and how that was a little too perfect uh-huh. um and i think it's obvious that you and i didn't care for isabel and <laughs> like i think that could have been such a stronger romantic uh-huh. story but i understand that that wasn't really the 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 meat of what was going on yeah but for what it like for it being like a driving factor of isabel's personality like to be loved deeply like yeah. the fact that he was a really flat character i think was Made it hard to believe. Yeah. I think. Yeah. So, so that, I, I agree. Yeah. So that that was hard for me. And then I think just in general, I'm just not into like war. Like it's just not my, <laughs> it's not what I gravitate towards. Yeah. Um, which my rating four out of five is for me personally. Like that's my personal rating. Mm-hmm. But if I were to like recommend, I would recommend this to so like so many people. Like, yeah, totally. And I understand why so many people would say this is a five out of five book, like a hundred percent. And I think this book is like, if you're a World War II buff or just like any kind of war buff, like you're going to love this. If you want a book that shows um, the, the women's war, mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be exactly what you want. Uh if you want a book, that's a cinematic experience. This is the book for totally, you. Totally, totally. Like, this is an amazing book. And my rating is just Not, my personal, like, I think likes and dislikes. Yeah, I think your rating of four stars for someone who, like, one, doesn't like historical fiction. <laughs> two, does not like war stuff. Like, you were like, I yeah. don't watch war movies. I don't read war books. Like, that's not my jam. For yeah. you to like this so much, to give it a four out of five, and say, or like, I will recommend this oh, yeah. to so many people. Like, that's huge. And I think your things, like, your comments are very valid. Oh, like, thank you. There was a character, like, Isabel was amazing in the, her feats, but she wasn't as strong of, like, a like a character to read about and emotionally connect to, at least for us, mm-hmm. than like Vianne. Yep. I think feel like Vianne was emotionally flushed out more than Isabel. Mm-hmm. And like we were supposed to relate to like the bravery of Isabel. And maybe that's what Chris and Hannah was doing is like we were supposed to relate to the bravery and sheer like audacity of Isabel as mm-hmm. a person and mm-hmm. then relate to the emotional battle totally. that Vianne had. Totally. So probably that's what she was going for. But yeah, like a flatter Isabel is a flatter character. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, your I think your comments on it are are very valid. And Thank great. you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel so validated right now. Hell, yeah. <laughs> That's what we do here at Tiny Shit Book Club. <laughs> I, but thank you for recommending or uh, bringing this book to the pod. I 
obviously would have never read it. And I think it, I think it is important to read historical mm-hmm. uh, books because there's a lot that has gone on in our history and it's easy to forget about it or not want to think about it and to be put in positions where other people you have to, you know, relate to other people who've gone through some shitty things is important, especially because we have things going on right now in the world that are not great for certain groups of people and to remember where people have been and, and knowing our history and knowing how things happen can help you from repeating them. And there are certain things that should always be remembered. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, whew, um, I I feel weird saying this, but like I am also so glad that we are done with this book because that was an emotional roller coaster. Oh like, yeah. I feel exhausted, <laughs> so tired um, from reading this book in like a very good like after like a really good hard run, you know. But yeah. I'm just like, oh god, please let me rest. <laughs> well, we are we're resting now. <laughs> um. So this is. That's the end of The Nightingale by Mm -hmm. Kristen Hanna. Um, Our next episode is going to be a a fun tangent. Hell yeah. A tangent episode. And um, I guess you want to go to fuck yeahs and fuck yous? For sure. Let's do it. All right. What's your your freaking fuck you? (laughs) You already know this, but... um... Uh, so people who have pets, uh, do your pets also fuck up your Christmas tree and decorations? I would like to know. Um, Kumi literally climbed our tree yesterday. I had to pull him out of the Christmas tree. Not surprised. Yeah. No, our dogs, like our Christmas tree is bare from the waist down. Like it just looks naked. I'm like, it's not wearing pants because we had to move all the ornaments because they kept pulling off the ones, uh, lower to the ground and then eating them and then throwing it up. And then, you know, it was a whole fiasco. So, um, naughty, naughty dogs. That is going to be my fuck you. Um, that's a good one. What's your fuck you? Um, my fuck you is to the time period from Thanksgiving until new year's. God help us all yeah fuck that why am i working right now yeah like why am i being expected to finish things from thanksgiving until new year's honestly we should have it all off i was just listening to a podcast and i god i don't remember what it's called i'm so sorry but if i remember I'll, i'll say the name of it um and she was talking about how like everything else in the world during winter yes like, takes a break everything slows down uh bears go into hibernation you know like everything yeah. is plants aren't growing you know what i mean like everything is at a standstill it's time for hunkering yes except for people we're like fucking do more work um Just keep up the same level of productivity even though there's two hours of sunlight during the day and it's just wild to me that that is now that you think about it right like i never thought about it before i'm like yeah everything else does go through like cycles and seasons except for our work schedule you know like what yeah anyways so i totally i totally get you there it's not fair we should no. not have to work between thanksgiving and the new year and also i'm like 70 percent less productive oh yeah i'm just oh, like oh yeah i don't you I don't should know. you should see me at school i'm like no, don't do that. Stop. Stop no. what you're... I'm like, such just half-assed to, classroom manager. I'm like, yeah, don't push that kid. Please stop. Just Do you push. want a detention? <laughs> just, just, just shut up. Just I, sit down. Yeah. Shut up. I know. The kid, yeah. the kid, one of my kids was like, are you okay today? And I'm like, thank you. Yes, I'm okay. But y'all are driving me nuts. <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> gonna have a breakdown it's dark and i'm tired pretty much but yeah so fuck you to that um what's your fuck yeah um my fuck yeah is as we get closer to the new year like i'm a very i'm very big on 
setting goals in the new year. And so I was looking back at the goals that I had set for this last year because I had write them all down. And I was just so thrilled at how many things that I like set out to do and also accomplished. Like That's I was just, amazing. I was so proud, right? So um, like a big one for me this year was forming more community and relationships. And I really felt that I like did that through soccer. Yeah, um, you did like, that with spades. Yeah, thank you. So that that was a big one. And I really wanted to invest this last year. So I invested with my, my money or I'm starting to starting to learn about it. And just just a handful of things that I'm like, damn, like I said I was going to do it. And then I freaking did it. I was like, I was just very pleased with myself. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. That's incredible. Thank you. I was just, I was feeling good. I was feeling good. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to, in our tangent to talk about like, our goals from this year and that goals we would like to do yeah. you know, next year, you know, book themed or not like both. Why yeah. not? All of it. I love it. <laughs> so um, exciting. What is your fuck? Yeah. Um, my fuck. Yeah. Is that in a week, my parents will be here for Christmas Yay! and I'm really excited <gasps> in your home, your in, first Christmas that you guys get to celebrate in your home in our, a home that we own our first Christmas. My parents will be here. Uh, they they don't come out very often and mm-hmm. so i'm really excited that they're going to be here and the house is like christmas everywhere we mm-hmm. put our outside lights up and Yay. it's just i'm really excited to have them here so yeah i'm excited that's gonna be fun i'm excited for you well um remember if you want to it helps us a lot to rate and review and subscribe to the podcast in whatever way you listen to podcasts um you can also like us on insta like and follow us on instagram or dm us if you have thoughts and feelings about things um you can also um support us with some some tiny change like pocket change if you want um and that link is uh on the podcast places i think but it's also in the our bio on instagram which is probably the easiest way to find it Mm -hmm. and we are just tiny shed book club on instagram and yeah yeah i think that i think then that wraps up wraps is up wraps is up um so yeah you guys can look forward to our next tangent episode i think we have some cool stuff planned or ideas kind of in the works for that and of course we'll announce our next book oh yes and you and i we already know it we are there ah! <laughs> all right well don't forget to lock your bookmark that's what i was about to say don't Do forget that. to lock it up lock that bookmark <laughs> up keep it safe <laughs> don't forget your bookmark and to lock the shed behind you bye